Hope you enjoyed uh, Thanksgiving. We we certainly did. It was uh, a good time of just sharing our lives. And you know, it's interesting that we had that extra week. You know, usually uh, you're into December a week ago, but uh, for some reason, the Thursday that we had the fourth Thursday of of uh, um, November was earlier than normal, a week earlier than normal. So uh, it's been hard for me to think. In fact, we even have most of our Christmas, uh, no, I should say, Mary Lee has most of our Christmas things put up already. And uh, so we're celebrating already the uh, birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. But um, Lord, we, we thank you for your word. I just think of how powerful it is and how life-changing it is, and it's just has been impacting me so greatly. Mary Lee's been reading the Old Testament book of Amos, and God says, I'm going to send a famine in the land. It's going to be a famine of the Word. Since you don't want the Word, then you're just going to be, uh, you're not going to have it. And uh, Lord, just uh, you and your Word just mean everything to us. And so may we as Christians continue to, to study it and really make it our own, but also may we, uh, may we share it. There will be many opportunities that we as Christians will have to share Merry Christmas or the Christmas message or what the Christmas is all about. There are going to be many opportunities this month to be able to share this wonderful message, and I pray that in your strength we would take advantage of every one of those so that your word is going out throughout our community. And let's just see how you might choose to use your life-changing word in our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 3. And I realize many of you were traveling last weekend or had family activities going on, and so maybe you didn't hear the message. Last, last week, we started looking at the good news, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ and what Jesus on the cross did. And today, we continue on in Romans chapter 3, and we're going to be looking just at a few verses here, 27 through 31, um, before we observe the Lord's Supper together. But um, I tried to imagine... Somebody coming to me for counsel or advice or biblical wisdom and how I would respond. And that person would come to me and say, Joel, I'm, I'm concerned about what's happening in society and even in my own life. I, I see all these cults and religions and it seems like they've made themselves and, you know, their rules and works, their gods the way to God and the way to walk with God. I see what I consider sexually immoral practices and thinking, and now it's even gone to perverse, degraded thinking and practices. And our own society is not only accepting these degrading, immoral practices and thinking, but, but, but uh, legalizing it and even encouraging people to practice this kind of thinking. In fact, if you don't think this kind of thinking, then you are not politically correct. 
I, uh, I also observe people are treating, how, how they're treating one another and putting one another down. They, they use destructive and tearing down words and actions. They seem to actually want to destroy each other with their words and practices. It seems like they even lack common sense. They are so guilty. And in terms of this person I'm dealing with, uh, me, I, I consider myself a moral and even spiritual person. I, uh, I really try to love my neighbor as myself. Uh, I've started attending church more than two times a year. I'm giving more to charity. I was raised in a Christian home and even attended a Christian school for a while. I was baptized when a baby, and I consider my works and the laws I try to follow as pretty good. I'm certainly not like those idolaters and sexually immoral and depraved people. I'm not destructive in my relationships like those people I described earlier. Surely my rules of conduct and my religious practices make me better than them. But Joel, are, are these enough? Will they make me right or just with God? Does it satisfy God's justice? By the way, I, when I truly uh, consider my practices and thoughts and rules, if I'm honest, I still feel guilty. If I stood before God today, I'm not real sure that my answers about how moral I am or how religious I am, I don't know if that'd be enough. Can you help me, Joel? And my answer would be, I don't have earthly answers, human answers for you. But I do have God's answers. And so together, let's go to the one who does have the answers. And let's, let's look at what you've been sharing from God's perspective. Let's, let's get his thoughts on this, because those are what really count. How is God's justice satisfied? What does he think of what's going on in our society today? This God of the Bible, every person's creator, the one who has revealed at least some truth about himself to everyone, let, let's go to him. And what he says about society, all society, every person, is that all have sinned. All have missed his mark. All have fallen short of the very essence of who God is. All, everybody, everyone is under sin. 
Every, every person, including you and me, uh, um, we're guilty. We're guilty of the major sin is suppressing his known truth. Every person is guilty of suppressing God's known truth that he's revealed about himself. And so if we understand that, that means even if any of us change our practices and turn over a new leaf and adopt new laws, that still doesn't make us right or just with God. That's the issue. God's justice. And what I put on your handout is I put there... Mankind's only hope is by faith in the one who did satisfy the Father's justice by his death on the cross. His name is Jesus. In our society today, Jesus is the issue. He's always been the issue. For the Jews in the Old Testament, this coming one, talking about Jesus, this coming one was the issue. Will we trust him? Will we believe in him? Will we receive him as our Lord? Will we believe and receive him? And Jesus is still the issue today, regardless of what year it is. That mankind's only hope is by faith in the one who satisfied the Father's justice by his death on the cross. Any person, and I want us to know this today, you, me, Anybody you meet in our society today, no matter what their beliefs, no matter what their practices, anyone can be justified by faith in Jesus. Jesus is our message. I'd like to read the verses that we looked at last week plus the verses we're going to look at today. But in Romans chapter 3, verse 21, it says, but now... By the way, look, let's, let's go to 19. Let's, I could go clear back. We could go back to chapter 1, verse 1. But we'll just go back to chapter 3, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. And by the way, the Bible indicates everybody has some law. God either has given it like to the Jews in written form or he's written the law on their, on their hearts. Everybody has some law, some truth about God. But notice here, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speak to, speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Verse 21. But now, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness or justice of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the Old Testament law and the prophets, even the righteousness or justice of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation or as a satisfaction in his blood through faith. 
This was to demonstrate his justice or righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness or justice at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not is, is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles. These are simply people who, who can't trace their lineage back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He, is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since indeed God who will justify the circumcised, circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised, uncircumcised through faith is one. Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. Any person can be justified by faith in Jesus. And like he says in verse 27, who, who can boast about that? If Jesus did all the work, if because of who he was, who he still is, who he will always be, if because of who he was, and because of the work that he did on the cross, provided salvation for anybody who would by faith receive him as Lord, who can boast about that? No one. We just bow on our knees and we say, God, thank you. Thank you for your grace, your undeserved favor. And thank you for the gift that you've given to me. Thank you, God. Thank you. I can't boast in anything. I can't boast about my works. I can't boast about the laws that I keep. I can't boast that I've turned over a new leaf. None of those satisfy your justice. But Jesus did. And I trust this Jesus. And so boasting is once for all excluded. Is there anything we can do, any law we can follow that will change us? And, you know, and some of us might even think, well, surely my sins weren't that serious. I became a Christian really early in life, and surely my sins weren't, weren't that serious. Or surely I'm not utterly indebted to Jesus alone and the cross. Surely this must be something I can do or at least contribute to make amends. Can't I be justified by works? The answer is no. God's solution is a gift of love which is offered apart from any works, no matter who that person is, because we're all sinners by nature. God's solution is a gift of love which is offered apart from any works. And verse 28 tells us why boasting is excluded. Why don't works have anything to do with it? Because a person is justified by faith in Jesus apart from works of the law. Remember, this, Paul says, therefore, we maintain. It's a word we're going to see a lot, you know, a lot of from now on. It, it means to count or calculate. It's, a, it's almost like a bookkeeping term. It means a reasoned conclusion based upon the facts. 
It's only by faith in Jesus and, and who he is and what he did on the cross that one can be made right or just with God, freed from God's penalty on sin. Jesus and his death were what, what was needed. The law had nothing to do with it. And you just look at the verses there. Verse 22, faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 22, for all who believe Verse 26, whoever has faith in Jesus. Verse 28 and 30, justified by faith in Jesus. I, I pray that we get it. And very early on in my ministry, a couple of people from a cult um, came and talked to me. Actually came when we were down in the ranchos and talked to me for a while. They were talking about, you know, works of the law. You know, one of the things I said was, I don't agree with your, your extra, you know, extra book that you have that you consider scripture, but we do agree. We, we, at least you claim we agree on the Bible. And I took them to this verse. And we talked about it for a little bit, and they concluded. They said, and it was a correct conclusion. They said either this scripture is right and we are wrong, or we are right and this scripture is wrong. They were right in their conclusion. They were wrong. Because the scripture is always right. And we need to base our conclusions on what God says. If you don't memorize too many verses of the Bible, that's a really good one to, to memorize. Verse 28, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. The law has nothing to do with us getting right with God or even walking right with God. It, it's a relationship established with God as our Father through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 29, is God only the God of the Jews? Isn't he the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. And what he's just showing here is this principle of faith in Jesus abolishes any wall of separation between races and countries and nations, and it doesn't matter. Because if you think about it, if justification is by the law, the written law, or, by, or for a certain nationality, then, the, then God belongs to the Jews alone. And if the Jews or a cult or a religion persist in the position that justification is by a law of works, then there must be two gods, one for them and another for the rest. But there aren't two gods. He makes it really clear here. There's only one worldwide. There's only one God. It's not the God of this religion and the God of this religion and all these other things. There's, there, there's one God. And this one God will justify the circumcised, talking about the Jews there, by faith in Jesus. And he'll also justify the uncircumcised person who has faith in Jesus. 
the Jews would say, Yahweh is our God. Yahweh is one. But the conclusion the Apostle Paul draws here is not appealing to the Jews because they thought the Gentiles were on the outside looking in. But Paul says that the God of the Gentiles and the God of the Jews is one and the same God. I even put that on your handout because it's really important that we get that. Paul says the God of the Gentiles and the God of the Jews is one and the same God. And the point here is that everyone is included in this offer of salvation because all are sinners by nature. All have sinned. All have Adam as our representative. And these same people, all of us, can have faith in Jesus. That through faith in Jesus, the way to this one God is open to all. And verse 31 says, you know, it says, well, do we then nullify the law? You know, if it's not through law that we get right with God or even walk right with God, do we nullify the law through faith? May it never be, Paul says. On the contrary, we establish the law. If salvation is by faith in Jesus alone, do we nullify? And that word nullify means to reduce to no value, to idle down or make void or cancel or set aside or reject or destroy or undermine the law. And Paul's answer is, is not at all. And he gives a more complete answer in chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8. But here he simply says, on the contrary, rather, we, we, we establish the law. We put the law in its proper place. We make it stand. We uphold it. And I, I put on your handout just to, this is a by the way thing. It's not the main point of the passage. But the law's role has always been to establish guilt, reveal sin, cause sin to increase, and show us our need of a deliverer. It's always been God's purpose for the law. When he gave the Ten Commandments and the 600 other commandments in the Old Testament, those weren't to, there weren't a way, they weren't the way to God. They weren't even the way to walk right before God. They had its purpose. It was to show us that we can't do it without God. We can't live the, we can't obey these laws. We can't, we can't fulfill his laws. We can't do it in our own strength. What the law does when it's, when it's carrying out its proper role is it, it, it shows us our need of a deliverer. God, I can't do this. I've tried. I've tried to live by the Ten Commandments. I've tried to do this. I've tried to, do, I've tried to stop doing this. I, and I just can't find myself doing it. If I don't do it outwardly, you know, I, I still do it inwardly. I still disobey. I need a deliverer. God says, I've got one. His name is Jesus. So there aren't those who get right with God or just with God by what they've done. Some don't get right with God by works of the law. Some don't get right with God because they belong to a certain race or religion. Some don't get right because of their religious advantages. And he just talks here, pride and prejudice and works and religious advantages in the law, they're all eliminated at the cross of Jesus. And these truths that we're looking at here in Romans chapter 3 rule out the mistaken idea that all religions lead to God. They don't. The 
all these different religions, all of them are a result of suppressing known truth about the biblical God. Jesus is the only way. And again, thank you, Father, and thank you, Jesus. your handout, I conclude with these thoughts. Our ideas of salvation must always be true to these verses of Scripture and be tested by them. Our thinking and our methods must be in line with this section of God's Word. Galatians chapters 3 and 4. In this, this Romans chapter 3 here, and he'll go on in chapter 4 to say the same thing. Every person who is right or just with God is because they have had faith in God and his truth. And when we admit our sin and guilt and by faith receive the person and work of Jesus Christ, all possibility for pride is ended. All possibility for works is gone. All possibility for prejudice is destroyed. The way to God is wide open to all through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so again, the questions we've been having for the last, like the last five or six weeks, what have you done with Jesus? And as I asked last week, when did you do it? Tell me when. When did you make that choice to know Jesus by faith? You may not be able to give the exact date, but you should be able to come up with a time when I made the choice by faith to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You should be able to tell us that if you're truly a Christian. Jesus is the way.